You're in the zone. You know uh, Cal makes him Brad calm dad? Can't call him coach. Really? He makes him call him dad in practice. That's kind of bleeped up. Is, I don't like that. That's kind of weird. With Jason Anderson. Like, could I you imagine Tyler Self calling Bill dad in practice? No. I know plenty of KU fans that call yeah. him daddy, but that's different. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Well, listen, like I said earlier, I hadn't been to Allen Fieldhouse in a little while, and I'm not even sure I've actually been uh, since the pandemic. And so uh, going on into to Allen on Saturday, then hitting halftime, the only thing that I thought we were going to see that was going to be good in a KU jersey was the balancing guy with a little dog. But the second half brought a lot more uh, excitement to the fog. We talk about that now with our guy Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Matt, uh, I know you've been in a lot of really, really good Allen Fieldhouse environments, but am I crazy to say that that first to second half swing was a little special? No, I don't think you're crazy at all. I mean, I, I, I was talking with some people after the game. It's getting really difficult to put into words how they do that or, or really even what they do. And, you know, you try to figure out different ways to ask the question or you try to maybe write a different spin on it or whatever, but, like, it's still the same question. And and the answer always comes down to, especially if you're asking a guy like Jalen Wilson, the answer always comes down to, you know, we never count ourselves out. We always believe in ourselves. We always believe we're going to have a chance. And they do. And that's not a line of BS. You know, that's that's genuine. It it stems from last year's national championship game and even before that. Um, and, and it's been carried through this year in a way that I don't remember seeing. I mean, they've been down and in so many holes so many times this season. And, you know, they haven't got out of all of them, obviously, but they've gotten out of most of them. And especially at home, they've gotten out of most of them. And it just comes down to this idea that that I don't think it's necessarily a switch that they flip. I, I think that that's too elementary. I don't, I don't think that's fair to call it just a switch. I think it's just this, this – inner drive, this absolute determination, this this pride that they decide in a moment or over a stretch of time that, well, we're not going to go out like this. This is flat out embarrassing, so let's go. And then they go. And part of that's on the guys. Part of that's on, the, on, on Coach Self and his staff. Part of that's on just the expectation and the standard that Kansas has and and it really is remarkable. I mean, you know, I, I don't think you're wrong at all to say that that was special because I've seen them down before. We've all seen it. Uh, I've covered a lot of games there where they were down and came back. But I don't remember a game quite like that where they were so dead in the water. I mean, it wasn't just they played poorly and they were down on the scoreboard. It was they played like trash, and the opponent played lights out. And in all honesty, they were probably really lucky to have it be 13 at half because that is, in a very real way, manageable. Um, 17, 18, 20, you know, now you're talking about a hell of a hole. But I think that 13-point deficit was, was big because exactly what they did was exactly what they needed, and, and it gave them some immediate hope. You go get a couple of buckets and a couple of stops, and this is a game again. And that's what happened. Momentum built from there. The crowd got crazy like it does. And Baylor had no chance. I mean, as, <laughs> as good as Baylor was in the first half and as bad as KU was, I think both of them exceeded the other in the second half. I think Baylor was worse in the second half 
then KU was bad in the first half, and I think KU was better in the second half than Baylor was good in the first half. It was an unbelievable game, an unbelievable comeback, and my biggest takeaway walking away from that game was that is two teams that are capable of winning the national championship. Um, they got to play well. They can't play just one half, obviously, but um, if, they, if either of them or both of them bring their A game, uh, they can make a run as, as good as anybody. So it, it was inc- incredible to see that, and, and like I said, it's really getting difficult to, to – kind of try to put into words and write that. I, I, I actually wish I'd been doing like a voice recording thing on this because I think I did it okay right there. I would, I'd probably just run that as a column for today and, and take the rest of the day off. Yeah, I mean, I think you should. We can send you the file afterwards. We'll podcast it. I just tried to like shove a couple bucks into the phone in here because I thought this was worth paying for. I, I appreciate you uh, you just giving it away for free. Even your your preamble is is so funny to me because it's so telling of like, there's there is a I think a, a natural cynicism that most people have, especially when we you know work around sports for any amount of time. And you've you've covered this team for long enough to even think to say, hey, this this isn't BS, even though it sounds like it should be. Like it just sort of feels like the the court's always tilted towards KU's basket, right? Like that you're playing on a driveway and that negative momentum. However, however you want to quantify momentum, right? It's a big sort of uh, I don't know difficult to define word, I guess. But however you're you're sure. slanting it, right? It, KU being down 15, is it feels like five. And when they're up by five, it feels like 20 at times. Like you said, Baylor in the second half, it, it felt like they had no chance. And, and for the, the shift that we saw that way, it's just absolutely bonkers. You, you mentioned that these are two teams that can absolutely win it all. Uh, in your, uh, your story right now, people can read, KUSports.com. You are not the only one with that takeaway after the game. What did you hear that was interesting from Bill Self and Scott Drew talking about each other and each other's teams? Yeah, I love that. I mean, you know, a lot of people like to get on Scott Drew. A lot of Kansas fans like to get on him, and and I understand it. I mean, they were up double digits the whole first half, and he was still whining and yelling about foul calls. I understand that. Um, I understand why they get on him. I understand why he does that. You know, you 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 you, you have to fight with everything you got in Allen Fieldhouse if you're the opponent. So, um, but but you know, then the game went the way it went, and afterwards, you know, he basically said, "Hey, we got beat." They were they were really good and we weren't and that's what happened and he took his medicine he there was no whining we've heard him in that room whine about the officials before he, he's not afraid to do it um, he realized there was no need to do that today it wasn't going to fly and uh, I, you know I, I again I think the, the coolest thing that he said was just the the very idea of what I just talked about which was that was really cool for the Big Twelve to see because. That was a half of Kansas at its best and a half of Baylor at its best. And for him to acknowledge that and see that, and, and look, that, that's not BS either. Well, this will be the theme of this, of this spot. Yeah. This, this is a BS-themed segment. You know, <laughs> that, that was not BS either because Scott Drew, as much as he's sick him, go Baylor, green and gold till the end of time, right? Like, he is a big-time supporter of the Big 12 Conference. Um, I've seen him at least – two separate times when KU and Baylor were at the same site, um, come off the floor after their game was over, win or lose, and KU's about to take the floor to play its game, and Scott Drew screaming and hollering, let's go Big 12, let's go Big 12. And, you know, he doesn't have to do that, especially after a loss that just ended your season. You know, it would be fine if he didn't give a rip, and no one would criticize him for that. But I think the genuine love of the Big 12 is something that, that runs throughout the conference. I don't think it's just him. I think all these coaches, and, and really a lot of the players, because a lot of them grew up knowing each other and things of that nature. 
Um, there's some pride there, man. They, they take a lot of pride in, in that idea that this is the best, the best conference in America. And why shouldn't they? I mean, we see that in the SEC with football all the time, right? Like, anybody that can will bend over backwards and go out of their way to say, oh, the SEC, I'm a part of that. It's the best football conference known to man in the history of the earth, you know? And <laughs> so why, why can't the basketball schools do that with the Big 12 when, in my opinion, the, the Big 12 has got a better argument even than the SEC? Like, the SEC is top-heavy and really, really good at the top in football and they're going to win all the national titles. We know that. That's, that's, that's very common now. But it's not the best conference top to bottom. There's some dogs in there, et cetera, et cetera. This Big 12 thing is an absolute grind. You saw Oklahoma the other night take Texas to overtime. Um, that's an Oklahoma team that I couldn't have been more excited to write off when I saw KU play them. They look terrible. I thought they were absolute trash, and then they respond by beating K-State, taking Texas to overtime. I mean, we could go on and on about how good this conference is, but um, getting back to the point, you know, that that was Coach Drew saying that about the Big 12 and about KU and Baylor. I mean, it was cool to see. It was it was a, a very real moment and a very, you know, genuine thing where he's, he's not just spitting words out. He's not just trying to get out of there. He he, I think, really thought that was cool. Like, does he want Kansas to win it all? Probably not. But I would bet if if he he was told Baylor's not going to win it all, who would you want? Well, he'd probably say let's let's go KU or let's go K State or let's go Iowa State. I don't know if he'd reached as far as Texas. You know, that might be <laughs> that might be a little harder for him, especially when they're on their way out the door. But I think he would genuinely root for any of those Big Twelve schools to win if his team can't. I love your SEC point because you're right. I mean, not to not to pick at any scabs for anybody, but like when Mizzou went to the SEC, they were they were selling gold and black SEC T-shirts. I mean that that was a right. point of pride. You know, it just means more, so they say. So for the Big Twelve to just fully embrace that and, and try to take ownership of being so clearly the, I mean, you help me put this into perspective. But like, not just the best conference in basketball, but the the best conference we've seen in in God knows how long. Maybe ever. I, I don't again. So you want to go top to bottom, and even talking about Oklahoma, we were. I was talking with uh, our, our dear friend OU's own Todd Lebo before that K State game, and he could not have been more eager to to push us all to the to the, the betting apps and say no, 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 no. This team's garbage. This 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 can't be it. And then the Big yeah, Twelve happened. Exactly. It just keeps happening. So how how do you put that into perspective? And, and even before we talk about TCU tonight, which just I think is so funny, you know, the lowly seven and seven Horn Frogs in the conference are uh, top twenty five team. Top twenty five team. Okay, sure. Why not? Well, sure. I mean, that's a, the TCU team is is a team, and part of it's the way they put a beating on KU. But but that's a team that when I saw them early. They were my pick to win the Big 12. Mm. I mean, you know, and then injuries happen, and, mm. and, and those things are tough. You know, that's why they're 7-7, seven and seven, I think. But if they had stayed healthy, that's as good a roster as there is in this conference right now. And um, they've got toughness, and they can play D, and they've got confidence and all those things. So, uh, you know, KU will get a dose of that tonight, but we'll, we'll get to that. I mean, your question about um, what was it exactly? Why? 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 Is this conference so good? Is that what you're basically asking? And, I mean, and, is, and do you have that, do you point? have historical precedent for for a conference being quite this overwhelming? Like it's it's just a remarkable yeah, thing. I, I think so too. I mean, when you're talking top, there's, there's no doubt that this is the best we've seen. I, I mean, for one, it's only ten teams that helps. But two, like I, I just don't think anybody probably can remember. Like they all you know comes close 
like the heyday of the Big East, which is, you know, books have been written about that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, that thing was a monster, and it was, it was a different brand of basketball, and it was, it was some legendary players. And, and, you know, the Big 12 has that going right now. I don't know how many legends are playing currently. Sure. Uh, there's at least one at Kansas. Jalen Wilson is a legend. He should very much be in the freaking player of the year conversation nationally. He will have his jersey hanging in Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, that's legendary stuff right there, and the guy deserves it. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I don't know about the rest of the conference, how many true legends like the Patrick Ewings and the Chris Mullins and, and guys of that nature, you know. Um, but having said that, I mean, I, I, I think the Big East is probably as close as it gets. The ACC surely had some really good runs. We can all remember. Maybe not you. You're a little bit younger. I'm sorry. But, but, but you know, um, obviously Duke and Carolina and Wake Forest and NC State and, you know, really before the ACC kind of watered itself down, right? There was some really good Maryland um, a lot of good teams down there. So, um, but but even then, you know, I, I just don't know if there was there was a there's ever been a conference top to bottom, which Oklahoma is the perfect example of that. And and um, I don't know what it is. It, it is hard to put your finger on. I, I think a lot of it's coaching. There's some really good coaches in this league. I think a lot of it's obviously talent. That that all the rosters have legit talent. Uh, people want to play in this league, so so you get your recruiting takes a, a bump from that, and and uh, they like the challenge. The players like the challenge of coming into this league and trying to compete, and knowing they're going to have to bring their best every night, and knowing that that helps develop them for for their goals beyond college, et cetera, et cetera. So I think those things factor in. Um, but but really, I just think yeah, there's there's just some sort of unknown unseen it, it's just a pride thing man i think the longer this is gone and this this is nothing new this top to bottom thing is new but but calling the big 12 the best conference in college basketball is absolutely nothing new this has been however many years going now right and and it hasn't always been this clear and it hasn't always been this dominant and it hasn't always been this obvious and 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 all the teams are are worthy of being tournament teams um, they're not all going to get in, but if they all did get in, they could all win a game or two at least. Uh, you know, that's incredible. So um, that that's new, but but I think the idea that the Big 12 is that, you know, whether you're talking about the highest-rated RPI conference or, or whatever you're talking in the net rankings or whatever, I mean, that's been six, five, six, seven years going. Um, I, you know, you'd have to look back, obviously, and there may be a year in there. But over the last ten years, I would I would be shocked if it was more than – Two years where the Big 12, two or three max, where the Big 12 wasn't the top-rated conference in college basketball. It's just this year it's so much more obvious to everyone, and you're getting national people um, buying into that and, and, and expressing that and, and promoting that, and, and it makes it makes for a heck of a couple of weeks here coming up. I mean, the Big 12 tournament. I saw on Twitter last night, I don't remember who it was, so my apologies if you're listening, but, but um, somebody said, hey, is this is – this, Big 12 tournament going to be better than the NCAA tournament? And I almost responded and I was like, ah, you know, my my knee-jerk reaction was, yeah, hell yeah, it is. You know, but then I kind of calmed down and thought, ah, you know, Big 12 tournament's going to be a dogfight and it's going to be awesome and it's going to be three days or four days of just incredible basketball. Um, But what it's not going to have is 
that 15 beats the two that makes right. it so much better, right? And um, I mean, I guess it could. You could you could have Lebo's squad make a run <laughs> to the whole thing. <laughs> but true. even then, is anyone gonna gonna look at OU as a darling like St. Peter's last year? I don't I don't think yeah. so. With all due respect to Todd, I know he'll I know he'll have his whole head painted at, at, yes. if that happens. <laughs> but you know, it's it's not the same as the Peacocks last year. That that's that's too good of a, a run, and and that's the only thing missing. But if you're talking quality, high quality basketball game. Um, man, Wednesday night of the tournament is going to be a blast, and you're going to watch some really good teams playing, and and then forget about Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's going to be insane. Yeah. So, last thing on the Big Twelve, then before we do talk a little bit about TCU in particular, do you think we're going to get that KU at Texas like title game? Essentially, uh, obviously Baylor is far from out of it, and there's a lot of basketball to be played. KU's got to go at TCU tonight, a couple home games, then at Texas. Meanwhile, Texas goes at Baylor uh, in uh, five days from now, and then at TCU before hosting KU. What do you think those those final couple uh, games are going to look like in terms of deciding the uh, the conference champ? Yeah, I don't know. My gut tells me that that will be that KU Texas game in Austin on March fourth will be a Texas needs to win it to yeah, get a share. That feels right. That's that's what my gut tells me. Um, and then obviously that would mean Kansas could win the game and win it outright. Um, you know, no no telling if that'll happen. They they all have tough teams. I I even looked at TCU's schedule, even at seven and seven, which puts them three games back with four to go right now. I looked last night and I was like, "Well, do they do they still have KU? Do they still have Texas? Do they still have Baylor? Because if they do, they they could maybe win out and win the thing still. And and um, they do. They have KU in Texas. They don't have Baylor. And even winning out, I just think there's too much ahead of them. Yeah, I don't think that can happen. Um, but but the point is right. Like you, you just said it. I mean, it, it's it's not quite down to just KU in Texas yet. But it certainly feels like they've got the best chance. Um, and, you know, I mean, Baylor does get a say in it. They'll, they'll, they'll get a crack at Texas, um, and that's a big one. And then all of a sudden, Baylor may very well be rooting for Texas in that last game, you know, to help them. So um, I think it'd be awesome. I love when conferences or, or divisions or whatever, I, I love when they set up to to have the, the schedule play out that that last game decides it. I, I think it'd be awesome if the two were tied still going into that. I, I don't think you can ask for better drama and theater and, and you know, promotion and hype and all that that would go into that game. Um, they haven't announced the game time for that one yet. So um, selfishly, I would imagine if they're tied and they're going into the uh, – the final game there they would probably put that at 8 p.m and as a writer with a deadline those games suck so i'm i'm hoping they go ahead and make that one a decision right now where they yeah. say let's play it at one and uh let's have some fun or get give everybody the rest of their day you know but um but yeah i think i think that obviously looms as a big game the only thing is and i don't i don't i don't say this just because of what happened against oklahoma um I think we were seeing signs of this before that. I, I think Texas is fading a little bit, and it's it's hard to imagine they wouldn't, right? Yeah. Like, everybody else has had their stretch where they've lost three in a row or they've lost four or five or five of six or more than three in a row or whatever it is, you know. They all have, every one of them. And Texas had not until recently, and now they're starting to find that and obviously finding it at a terrible time. But I just feel like, it's hard to stay on top in this conference. It's hard to stay on top of any conference, but it's hard to stay on top in this conference this particular year, and I think that's catching up with them. So, um, man, tonight's big. 
you know, tonight is really big for Kansas. I, I would, I would say if Kansas wins tonight, I, I think they win the conference, maybe even outright. I, I don't. I, I think they've got a really nice schedule with those two games against Texas Tech and West Virginia being at home, while other teams are playing. TCU and Baylor and Texas and K-State and Iowa State, right? Like, those other teams all play each other. This thing fell perfect for KU to get those two schools at home. Neither one's going to be easy. We have already established that. We've all seen it. You and I have talked about it here today. Um, so, Kansas can't go into those games thinking, oh, cool, finally a break. Texas Tech and West Virginia will roll over these guys. Not the case. But I think KU's mindset and maturity and growth – um, that's led up to now that will take them into those games, I think those make those easier wins and, and easier games, and especially being at home. So um, at that point, man, you, you kind of let everything else fall where it falls. If you, can, if you can get tonight and you go get those two, the odds of Texas or Baylor losing another one, it, one of them's going, going to lose one because they play each other. So, mm-hmm. you know, the odds of at least one of them losing again are way high, and, and they both could. And, and then that puts you in a really good position where that, that last game on March 4th maybe doesn't matter as much. So the schedule sets up well, and, and they've got to like the position they're in. Um, that's, again, why I think tonight's so big. And it's going to be really hard, and, and TCU is – has become a weird, tough place to play all of a sudden. It used to not be at all, but um, the place gets pretty loud. It's like 6,800 is all it seats, but they, they get into it when they're good, and they are good. So um, tonight, I'm not going to go as dramatic and as far as to say this is for the conference tonight, <laughs> but I, I think if you start looking, if Kansas wins tonight and you start looking at those you know, predictive measures and things of that nature. I, I think their 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 number on DraftKings and their and their win probability of winning the conference on Ken Palm and all those things. I think those go really, really high, really, really fast if they can win tonight. Talking to Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com, two places you can get a lot of post-game coverage after the game tonight, which, of course, you can hear right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. So what are you looking for tonight, Matt, in terms of what KU does need to do to pull off? I just checked the upset. Again, a Big 12 home and all that, I, I get it, but I was a little surprised to see. Right now, it looks like it's sitting at about two points. Um, we, uh, You mentioned Jalen Wilson, and, and he, I think, has gotten some conversation that he's earned, even though a lot of us have had our head in the football-shaped clouds for the last couple of months still. But we're seeing him, I think, get respected around here enough. But what else does Kansas need non-Jalen Wilson division to win this game tonight? There's two things, and and I did finish my preview last night pretty late, so I'm going to make it live here in a minute, um, and it'll it'll carry people through the day if they want to read it. Um, But there's two things that really jumped out at me, and I based them all on what happened in the first game um, because obviously TCU came into Lawrence and, and beat the brakes off of Kansas. It's 83-60. to 60. KU was hardly ever in the game, and it was ugly. It, it looked as bad as that score sounds, maybe worse. So um, the two things that really jumped out at me there, Dewan Harris, man, he, he, he took four shots. He didn't score a point, and he was not very good that game. And I, you know, we've seen since then a lot of evidence of – DeWan's important, especially as an offensive player and especially as a scorer. So he has to shoot the ball. He has to be aggressive. He has to look to score. He knows that. His teammates know that. His coaches know that. They all understand it. It's not anything they have to drill into his head anymore. It's just something he has to go out and do. And he didn't do that against Baylor in the first half. He took one shot, had no impact, and came out, took the first shot of the second half, made it, made six of seven, and 
really dominated the game with his defense and then offensive scoring, too. So I think Dewan Harris is so massive tonight. Um, I, I think you could say that every game just because of his importance and what he does um, when he scores and how it opens things up. So he's, he's so huge, especially because of, of how he played against these guys last time. And then the other thing is, is turnovers. Um, Self said before the first game that TCU is by far, I think those were exactly his words, by far the best team in transition in this conference, which is saying something. Um, and, you know, you, you just can't help them get out and run. You, you can't have the live ball turnovers. Uh, obviously, you want to cut down your turnovers entirely, but the live ball turnovers are a disaster because not only do you give it away, but it usually leads to a very easy basket for those guys. I think KU turned it over 17 times last time. Mm. TCU scored 20 points off of those turnovers. Um, a lot of them layups and dunks uncontested going the other way. Uh, when you score 20 points off live ball turnovers like that and you win by 23, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what the difference in the game was, right? So um, take, take care of the ball. And, and uh, you know, it's funny because these things are always keys, right? Like you never want to turn it over. Sure. That's the key for every game. But it is it – is, different with each matchup and and sometimes you look at that as maybe a bigger key than in some other games and I I think that's the case tonight um the other thing is is the last thing that I that I kind of pointed out was was you know Eddie Lampkin's a beast man 6'11 263 he he hurt himself significantly against KU had to come out of the game went back into the game and was getting freaking one-armed rebounds on one leg you know I mean that that was a real indication to me of, of how severe the, the lack of a big post presence that KU had that day was. Um, and they need that. They need that. They need it to be more than K.J. Adams, especially when they run into a guy like this. Um, since then, Ernest Uday's taken some steps forward. He's had some really good games. Uh, OU was one. Uh, at Kentucky, when, when he battled with Oscar, was one. You know, he... He's a different player today than he was when, when TCU came to Lawrence. And so I don't think he has to go out there and go toe-for-toe toe with Lampkin or anything crazy like that. It's not going to happen. Um, but he needs to be ready to give him 10, 12 good minutes and, and be legit size and be a guy who can go out there and impact the game, whether that's rebounding, uh, walling up, you know, blocking shots, or just being big and playing to your size, whatever that is, one or two of those things have to be there. And, and I think that I think Ernest is more prepared to do that today than he was then. And so that's something to watch if you're if you're obviously you know going to look past the Jalen Wilson and the Mike Miles and the Dewan Harris and all these other guys that factor in and and, and can win a game by themselves. Um, that that's a big one for Kansas. I think one of those more subtle subtle things that, that could have a huge, huge impact. Matt, I appreciate you making the time here with us. Uh, I, I will warn you that I think next time we have you on, Jason should be back. So however you need to adjust your game plan for that, uh, I'll give you the uh, the heads up. But I appreciate you being here with us today to look back on Bay, look ahead at TCU, and then that, that pesky little tournament that will come after the big one, the Big 12 tournament uh, going forward. I, I hope we uh, we stay in touch the rest of basketball season because this, uh, this was great. All right, man. Well, thanks. Yeah, appreciate you having me as always, and 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 I do appreciate the warning too. That'll uh, <laughs> that'll come in handy. I'll start I'll start drawing some things up, and and I'll be ready. Uh, you know, he's tough, but but I'll be ready for him. Playing defense becomes all the more important. I'm not really an attacker, but but he'll go get you. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. All right, Josh. Thanks, man. Take care.
Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. You can also follow on Twitter at MC Tate. And yes, again, tonight's game, KU and TC. We'll have pregame coverage for you. And then, of course, the game itself, postgame coverage, all the coverage you need right here on your home for Kansas Athletics. Sports Radio 810 WHB. You may have picked up on it. Jason Anderson out again today. Hoping to have him back uh, healthy and back in the fold again tomorrow. I'm Joshua Briscoe, though, here across the glass from Beards McFly. More zone just around the corner. The Zone with Jason Anderson. All right, what'd you learn this weekend, Briscoe? Or in the beards is a bleep head. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thanks again to Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com. You want to check out his aforementioned preview of tonight's game, KUTCU. That tips off at 8 o'clock right here on your home for Kansas Athletics. That's us, Sports Radio 810 WHB pregame starting at 6.30. Of course, uh, the program live from Surprise will uh, we'll begin at 2 o'clock today. Then we'll even have a, a little extra pregame for you. We're going to really be talking KU Pretty hot and heavy from uh, 6 up until tip-off. Also here, we've got the latest top 25 from the AP. Should have mentioned this uh, a little bit ago, but got it now here, where KU has moved from 5 up to 3 in the AP top 25 uh, after beating Oklahoma State and Baylor. And uh, K-State has dropped two spots down the number 14 they lost to OU on the road, then beat Iowa State in that comeback win on Saturday. Um, the new number one, Houston at the top there. Number two, UCLA uh, and uh, Alabama drops. All the Big 12 teams here. You got five bif- different Big 12 teams ranked. KU at three, Texas at eight, Baylor at nine, K-State at 14, Iowa State at 23, and TCU at 24. So tonight's game now by the AP standings, number three, Kansas, at number 24, TCU. Um, I wanted to talk with uh, with Beards a little bit about the dunk contest. Josh Briscoe and Beards here with you today. Jason's out, should be back shortly. But I wanted to talk about the dunk contest because Beards is a big NBA nerd. I'm an NBA, I would say, a hobbyist, enthusiast. I just want the Suns to be good. Honestly, I enjoy all the NBA drama, but like, I'm going to get League Pass fired back up when, uh, when KD starts playing in purple. Oh, boy. Getting excited just thinking about it. Uh, but we've talked a little bit about the dunk contest in recent years, Beards. And I, I feel like you um, you have had a special place in your heart for the dunk contest. Dunk contest fun. I uh, I don't know if that if that passion has stuck around for you, but I'm I'm not sure. I think you uh, you you were not necessarily enraptured by it this year. But I, I wanted to know what you thought, and I've got I've got an interesting um, take on it that I saw Bomani Jones put out there that I thought was worth talking about. I did not end up watching it live. Excuse me. Uh, didn't end up watching it live. I was able to catch like the highlight package mm-hmm. afterwards that they'll put out. Um, names haven't been good the last couple of years. It's not. It's not ideal. No. It's not ideal when you put your poster up of here's who's in the dunk contest, and one guy is in a G League jersey because he has not played an NBA game this season. Did Mac not McClung where you want to be? Did Mac McClung end up registering a minute before the dunk contest? Not this year. He played. He has played two NBA games in his career. They were both last year, and they were both for different teams. I think it is a totally reasonable take, and Beards, I'm, I'm not just trying to deposit this take on you, but if you if this is where you're at, let me know. But 
I think it is a very reasonable take to say the dunk contest is at its best whenever it's players we've actually heard of and seen have big dunks in games. It would be more fun if Giannis was doing it with a whole cast of characters around him of, of household names. If that's where you're coming from, I think that's reasonable. Well, the names you'd put are like Zion. Zion would be great. Um, ja. Ja would be great. Anthony Edwards. I feel Giannis feels like Anthony Edwards would be great. Giannis feels like the type of guy who he, the the explosiveness of the other guys you just mentioned. It would be visually very different for Giannis, but he seems like a type of guy. Did he, has he ever done it? Not contest. I think so. Maybe did he? Maybe he did it when he was younger. I don't know why. The, the thing I have in my head is just Giannis feels like a guy who would enjoy doing it, which for me is like basically if you're a household name who would have fun with it. You have met my criteria. He did it in 2015. He scored poorly and didn't make it out of the first round. Interesting. That was the first Zach Levine dunk contest. Okay. So, I... Is, is it fair to say is that where you you be coming from, Beards? Is if you can get those, get the stars in it, that's the that's the best form I of the dunk like contest, some right? Stars in it. I think that's because totally I reasonable. I think that adds to the anticipation of it. It it's more exciting when you're going. Ooh, I wonder what Vince Carter's going to do. Absolutely. And then Vince Carter does some crazy bleep. Yeah. And makes it incredible, and you're always you're always going to remember that. Whereas this year it was. You find the list. Let me look. You find the list. Let here's me look. here's my one part of that that I'm just thinking out loud like, here. I'm not sitting there going, man. I wonder what Jericho Sims is going to do. Is he a, uh, a net? He's a Nick. Damn. I got the I got the right state. You did. The one thing I wonder about is being the one star with the group of Jericho Sims and G Leaguers might be a tough spot. Because kind of lose-lose. Either you're the NBA star who beats the essentially the walk-ons, or you're the NBA star who loses to Mac McClung. What I... And that, I, no, no, just that, that might be a tougher sell than to try to get all kind of like A or B list starters and stars. I'm thinking out loud. What I have thought about in the past, and I think I, I kind of fine-tuned this a little bit, um, they used to have six people in the dunk contest every year. Okay. Now they've got four. Um, I have had the thought... Make half of them All-Stars that are All-Stars that year mm-hmm. and either have them voted on by the fans or just have like the league say, hey, we want you to do it. Um, that is also very temperamental in terms of who is an All-Star th- that year. Sure. Because if it's like Al Horford, you're not going to put Al Horford in the dunk contest. Ideally not, no. It, it wouldn't be great. No. But like, yeah, I'd like to have a couple All-Stars in it. Three-point contest is littered with them every year. Yeah. There's always good pl- always good high-level players in the in the three-point contest, and that just has not been the same way with the dunk contest for quite a while. Here's what Bomani tweeted that I thought was interesting. Bomani Jones, of, of course, ESPN, now Game Theory on HBO. Um, he tweeted after uh, some of the Mac McClung clips were going around, he said, honestly, I'd expect the dunk contest to turn into guys like McClung. The dudes in the league clearly don't want to do it. These G League type cats have more t- to prove and more to gain. It'd be a better show. I wouldn't have a problem with it, I don't think. He also, he had tweeted uh, right uh, the night of the, the dunk contest. They didn't do all this to get McClung into the dunk contest because he wasn't a beast at this. NBA did it for the gram, and this is a case where that's not the worst thing. He said, this is honestly a sign of what we talked about on, on Game Theory. Putting McClung in this was a Gen Z play. The dude wasn't even in the league when they put him in the contest. And one of the interesting things about that 
is that if you just sort of make it an and one mixtape style dunk contest, you're not tuning in for the NBA stars who continually inform you that they are not interested in doing it, but you just try to make it a showcase of the wildest high flyers you can find. And if you're a G League type of guy that wants to get a little bit more of a... I'm guessing that that Mac McClung hasn't had this Twitter presence in a while, right? I think I saw that he made... $107,000 $107,000 in his career earnings, and the dunk contest won him $100,000. Amazing. And that's not including whatever endorsements can come out of winning the dunk contest, sure. right? There is motivation for guys like him to do it. And if you are really just at that point hunting for the best dunkers, I understand the star power not being there is one thing. Here's, here's what I would posit. A thing like Mac McClung... If it can be guys who have a little bit of name recognition out of college, right? If it is if it is the equivalent of finding your NCAA tournament rising stars, maybe it's guys who were in college for a few years who were not lottery picks, who might not even been draft picks, or they're your your late second round guys who end up in the G League, but there is some name recognition to them. I could see there being something there of like, hey, remember this guy you you really liked in college a couple years ago? Well, here he is dunking for you again. And now you know what team he's in the system of. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I think having superstars do it. I don't think Vince Carter's dunks would go down in history the way they did if they were done by some random G-leaker. I, I think that that does matter. But I could... I could see there being an argument for like, hey, just find guys who do want to do this, who will who will bring the wackiest dunks possible, and hopefully it's somebody who you've heard of at some point for some reason. I'm open to that. I don't know. How does that how does that feel for you, Beards? It's it's watered down from the ideal, but I think it's better than I think it's probably better than just trying to get a bunch of like fringe starter types that still don't really want to be there that much. Like the ones that they've been doing the last few years? Yeah, it's a little more interesting what the last couple of years have been, I think. I don't know. I still want I still want big names just because I think that adds to the anticipation and the excitement. Of I agree all. with you. Absolutely. It's I don't know what they do to fix it to where that they, they get those people. I think they might just need the right guy to come along and be like, hey, mm-hmm. I want to do this. I'm also really freaking good at it. It feels like Zion, and this could just be a health risk thing where it's not worth him putting that out there. He felt like he would have been one of the guys. Ja felt like he would have been one of those guys. The the problem with Zion, excuse me. You're getting choked up, (laughs) man. I get it. I understand. It's an emotional time for all of us. Um, The problem with Zion is kind of the same thing that happened to Blake Griffin. Because Blake did the dunk contest, won it. It was good. It wasn't like... All the hype around it wasn't quite maybe wasn't as much quite as met. it could have been. Yep. Um, but also, you just don't want to be labeled as, oh, I'm just the guy that dunks all the time. Yeah, which that also makes sense. I hadn't really considered that about, yeah, like going back to, to Blake Griffin. But right, it's is that is that painting you into a corner somehow? And is there a way to make it a friendlier environment for superstars to to want to go perform in that? In that environment, I, don't, I just want to see Zion try and tear a rim off a backboard, man. I just, I don't see. I don't want to see Zion tear anything. That's my bigger concern. Do so you want to see him tear the rim off the backboard? I'm concerned about him tearing a tendon off a bone. Like, I just want to see him be healthy. Ideally, not in like a playoff series against the Suns or whatever. But you know what I mean. Generally, rooting for health. 
it's an interesting little conundrum that I, I don't I don't know that there's an easy solution to it, but uh, I I think that at least continuing to to tinker a little bit and see if you can find a little bit of juice for it makes sense. And also, it, here's the other thing. Honestly, if you said what would it take for you to watch it live, for you to say I'm going to figure out what exactly this is on. Thing well, I'm I'm, I'm trying right. I'm trying to figure out what that would be. If that's the goal, we want it to be a live sporting event. If it's superstars, I'm I might tune in. If it's just for if you're just doing it for your Bleacher Report, House of Highlights, NBA Instagram, all of those things, if you're just trying to get viral dunks out there on on Instagram, that's a perfectly reasonable marketing campaign. I just wonder what the goal of the NBA is. Is it to push it out for virality like like Bomani said, are you doing it for Gen Z or are you trying to make it a live sporting event that people will tune in for? I really don't. That's a question I mean, that probably both. Probably I'm sure, absolutely. Yes, you you would love well, to get both. Preferences? Yeah. I would probably say live. I historically that's what you would say. I wonder if there's even a point where you say, "Hey, this dunk contest isn't going to be the live thing. Let's just make it a, a, a farm for a bunch of viral content, so you can get a few of those dunks out there." Uh, I don't know, but if for me to tune in for it live, it, I you know maybe if it was like you know Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, um, Tory Craig, you know, just somebody like the league's best of the best. Yeah, it'd be until you got to Chris Paul. He could be a judge. That's fine with me. The gorilla. Okay, now hold on, Beards. Mascot dunk contest. Is it? No. Hear me out. I'm hearing. It's like the masked singer. Oh! But, but it's with mascot. Yes! yes! Beards, we did it! You did it! Save the dunk contest. You saved the dunk contest! It. it is NBA players in a costume of their choosing. They throw down a nasty slam. In full costume, and you go over the judge table. You gotta get, gotta they get judge it, it and they make a guess. You can get some hints. You make a guess uh, over the course of the night. Whenever they properly identify the dunker, they're unmasked. Beards, I think you've done it. I can't believe nobody's thought of this before. Me neither, dude. That is incredible. What other sporting events can we save by just basically making it the mask singer? Home run derby, boom. Pro Bowl, done. All of this, all of the All Star games around sports that are not quite good enough. You want to say baseball? Put them in costumes. I was going to say that you know what I'm going to go get a costume and then we'll keep doing the show on the other side of the break and see if it adds any intrigue. But I've done that at least three times. We've got some fake mustaches down in the office. Did you grab one of those? I've done that at least four times. I have definitely done radio in a Grinch costume, in a uh, horse head, and in a penguin outfit. Minimum. I'm sure there have been some fake mustaches. And then, more often than not, Lebo just considers my daily dress to be sort of a costume in its own right. Okay, wow. Well, um, I thought we'd get some more conversation out of this, but Beards went ahead and into the segment for us. NBA Dunk Contest Mass Singer Crossover... You're welcome, Adam Silver. You're in the zone. I I think that... Boring you, Beards? Sorry. I had a yawn. Yeah, yeah, we heard. You, you can, there's a little off button. No. Yeah, yeah There's not button. a yawn button. There's a cough button, but there's not a yawn button. There's an off button. On your mic. With Jason Anderson. Anyway, this is Doug Marone. You're supposed to yawn again, Beards. <laughs> Now we go live to Beards for his NBA season preview. Beards, go! 
Timberwolves might not make the playoffs again, guys. <laughs> On Sports Radio 810 WHB. That's at least like five years old, right, Beards? It's it's not a it's not a young liner. That's a wet, wacky, wild Wednesday. Not a young liner, boy. You could hear that yawn again. That whatever, whatever, however old that is, that yawn is preserved for history. That's beautiful. Uh, we got. I think Timberwolves might not make the playoffs again this year. Well, look, where they are they right will, now? They probably will, right? They probably will. See, look at that. The, with a f- we are in the but future. They might not. They might not. But also, they might. Got any more yawns to get out? Don't, no, I think I'm okay for right now. Don't yawn when Mick gets here. He will he will take it personally. We got a couple comments from Power Cat Ryan over on the 810 Twitch. First, I'm giving you guys a standing ovation for my cubicle. Thank you. Really, that's Beards. Is the, the mascot, mass singer solution is was his. And then uh, also noting that EA Sports College Football had a mascot game mode, which I remember very well and would love to get more of just like in sports in general. Could we get... I know that... Madden has its issues. I would like to play as 22 KC Wolves on both sides of the football. Get a big head mode in every game. Big head mode in every game. Mascot mode in every game. for baseball, though. Yeah, big helmet mode also. You're fine. And now you're able to hit and pitch with Slugger? I just think we need more mascots. Our mascot, Mick Schaefer, joins us next. Is that offensive to Mick?